First Kings chapter 13. I just read one verse here and then we'll just, if you'll help me, we'll read two verses in the book of Proverbs. I try just to leave you with one text, but today I'm compelled to give an addition. I'll help you with the remainder of the chapter in a moment, but just for the moment, I read verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah. This is how he came. By the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. There came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Proverbs chapter 30. Two Proverbs, verse 5 and 6, depict it. Proverbs 30, verse 5. I'll wait for you for a moment. I know some of you are looking. It's wonderful. It's, a, it's, it's something, you, if you have a highlighter or a pen, you should pay attention to Proverbs 35 and 6 every word of God is pure say that with me every word of God is pure he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him add thou not to his words lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Every word, don't add to it. Amen. I ask the question today, what did God say? Now, Father, we pray for the glory of the Lord to overshadow us and envelop us to hear the word of the Lord. We thank you for this moment of worship and praise and the blessings of our life, tangible things that rest in our hands. And I pray today that what you do in this house would be a spiritual transaction and let faith rise up and let there be a strict adherence to what you have to say. And feed us all collectively, individually, as a body with the word that proceeds out of your mouth. In Jesus' name I pray. Put your Bibles down behind you and just for just 10, 15 seconds, just lift up your hands and just thank him and say, I'm ready to receive what you have to say, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Amen. I thank you, and you may be seated. I am aware of the season of summer. And having just passed through what amounts to a very patriotic week, I thank all of you for coming and working and ministering. 
Some have come here a little burdened, but I'll do my best to bring you as far as I can into the depth of the word. Are you ready? So, I don't want to go too fast, and if you're relatively new to the scripture or to the church, I don't... I don't want you to get too bogged down, but here we go. Are you ready? The first king of Israel was named Saul. At the end of his reign, he left the kingdom splintered, having died on Mount Gilboa. With three of his sons, he was killed by the Philistines in battle. At the end, he fell on his own sword. His successor, David, was finally anointed the third time. The first by Samuel, the second in Hebron from the elders, and finally the third time in Jerusalem. At the conclusion of David's life, he died in the comfort of his own bed, but he failed to choose a successor while he had strength. Solomon was chosen, but David's indecision left a ripple effect on the kingdom. And then came Solomon. Solomon led the people into more prosperity and taxes than all the previous kings before him. The nation was wealthy beyond belief, even the queen of Sheba, when she came to visit When she saw the wealth of Solomon, she said, the half has not been told me. At the end of Solomon's reign, the worst fracture of all occurred. I would submit that it began with David's indiscretion. At the end of Solomon's reign, when he died, two men vied for position, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. How are we doing with all these names? There's a short quiz afterwards. Israel will be divided, a divided people. Two self-professed kings and the division is readily seen. To the north of Jerusalem is Jeroboam. He's in competition with Jerusalem. He builds his own altar. He appoints his own priest, none of which were qualified. I'd love to return to this word in days to come, but for now... It's my hope that you'll just remember that this new king, self-appointed monarch, was trying to recreate worship even though it was not ordained of God. He built an altar that looked like the one in Jerusalem. He ordered the appropriate attire and tapestry for the men who would make the sacrifice. But God was not in it. And to this end, God sent a nameless prophet to cast judgment on the deeds done there in Shechem, that fortified city in the hilly country of Ephraim, where Jeroboam was making a sacrifice. Now I'm into 1 Kings chapter 13, the verse I read to you. I'll paint the picture for you. It's a busy time in Shechem. Men are moving in and out of the frame. Some have been newly appointed priests. They know little about conduct and nothing about holiness. But they've been given a position to make a sacrifice. And they all wanted to look as official as possible. It's an open sacrifice, unlike the one in Jerusalem. There's no enclosure or barrier here. 
There's no gate or wall to protect it. Just a large open altar for all the people to watch. I've been at that place. I've seen the remnants of it several years ago. The clamoring of unsuitable suitors have fixed themselves on the post of that lofty altar. Animals and sheep and goats are being carried and deposed. When in the midst of all of that mess, a young prophet enters. He raises his voice to pronounce the judgment of God against the altar. And he cried out against the altar of the Lord, uh, uh, against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places, the burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. (laughs) It's easy to make a proclamation, a prophecy, when you won't be around to face the consequences whether or not it's real or not. Because Josiah was not born for 356 years after the prophecy was made. And he said, all of you priests that are doing this, Josiah is going to be a king. He's going to be after the order of David. And those beautiful graves that you put yourself into and you you make them elaborate. He's going to dig up your bones. He's going to desecrate those graves and going to take your bones and burn them on this altar because you desecrated the holy things of God. Josiah is not going to leave anything untouched. He's going to take all the evil men, even though they're dead and gone, he's going to dig up their bones. He's going to dishonor their memory because they were vile men. He wasn't going to let it lay. And this is the sign that altar is going to be split in half and the ashes are going to be dumped out on the ground. Of course, anyone can give a prophecy. Words are just words until they come to pass. And the child that this young man spoke of, almost four centuries later. But the sign that it would come to pass was seen in this, in this moment, this ungodly, unholy altar. He said, behold, the altar shall be torn, split apart, desecrated. The ashes are going to be poured out. Jeroboam, the king, heard what the young prophet said. And then he saw it. The altar was broken, but instead of falling on his face and repenting, Jeroboam called for the young man, the young prophet, to be arrested. But as soon as Jeroboam put forth his hand to give the instruction, his hand became withered and stiffened up. He could not pull his arm back. It was a judgment right out in the open. No hiding, no recoil, no time to say he recants. And then Jeroboam finally pleaded with the young prophet to pray for him. The Bible says that the king was healed, but his heart was not changed. Jeroboam would go on to do evil. Verse 34 called it the sin of the house of Jeroboam. He allowed anyone to become a priest and forsook holiness and godliness in the sight of the Lord. When his arm was healed, when the king's arm was healed, Jeroboam Jeroboam asked the young prophet, come and eat with me. But the prophet said, I was commanded by the word of the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. Here is the word of the Lord. Don't eat, don't drink, and don't go home the same way. Three commands combined for the understanding of God. 
whose ways are past finding out, and whose wisdom reaches to the heavens. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? The test came. Come home with me. And the young prophet passed the test. A king in the making, a ruler of the world, had invited him to dinner. All the trappings and pleasures of this life were afforded to him, if only he would stay and eat. Who knows? But perhaps this King Jeroboam would make the young, nameless prophet a high priest or give him authority over all the sacrifices. The sky was the limit, prestige, pleasure, and recognition. But what did God say? Don't eat, don't drink, and don't return the way you came. God said, shun your natural cravings and go home a different route. God, for his own, in his own omniscient reason, who can tell, said, do not fulfill your most natural instinct of food and water and make sure that familiarity does not bind you and keep you and it, it traps you in your comfort. So go home, forge another way. I'll break it down for us today in the only way I know. Fast and trust. Sacrifice and change. And all of it accomplished under the umbrella of obedience. And there's the young prophet. He passed the first test. It was the test of the world. But as he went, an old prophet heard what had happened. An old prophet heard the story and an old prophet found the young prophet. He said, are you the man of God who came from Judah? Are you the man of God who prophesied and the altar split in half and the ashes spilled on the ground? Are you the man of God? And the young prophet said, I am. The old prophet said, come eat with me at my house. I want to visit with you for a little while. Come eat. I know that you're probably hungry and thirsty. Come to my house. But the young prophet said, I have been told by the Lord not to eat or drink and I must return by another way. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. The old prophet said, hey, I'm a, I'm a prophet also. I'm just like you. And he said, and guess what? An angel came to me and gave me a word from the Lord and said, Bring him back with you to your house so that he, he may eat and drink. But he was lying, the Bible says. What did the Lord say? The old prophet had all the makings of a prophet. He was what he said he was. We have no reason not to believe that he was a prophet. He was a prophet. Maybe weak in body, maybe displaced by the fractured nation. But he knew that the young man was a man of God. And while they sat at dinner, because the old prophet had convinced the young prophet to come back. While they sat at dinner, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. Think of it. The one who lied. The word of God came to the man who lied. And the one who quoted that an angel told him, which was a lie. The word of God came to the old prophet and he cried out right there in, in a stark and sudden outburst. Oh, hear the word of the Lord. You have disobeyed the word and you will die and not be buried with your fathers. And when he left the house, indeed, the young prophet encountered a lion and the lion killed him in the way. And when it was told to the old prophet that they found the lion standing by the body of the young prophet. Watch it now. Verse 28. The lion had not eaten 
the carcass. He had not eaten the young prophet. Think now with me. David rose up and he wrote these words. Thy righteousness, Psalm 36, is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. When the old prophet came to see what had happened, this is what he said. It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. The Lord delivered him to the lion. Get this. The old prophet lived and the young prophet died. The old prophet lied and the young prophet suffered the consequence. The old prophet knew what he was doing when he invoked a spiritual word, an angel, he said, told me. The old prophet knew that judgment had come from God because the young prophet disobeyed the word of the Lord. Now I know that we can easily stumble at at this description of the old prophet. I get it. It happened to me the the few first times I read this chapter, I was put out that nothing happened to the old man who deceived and manipulated and lied and quoted angels when all of it was fabrication while the young man was punished for eating bread and drinking water. I stumbled at that. I wondered, what, what is this God? But see, his judgments are too deep for me to gather. Before I decide whether or not God's judgments are worth anything or I find them to be credible or egregious, I have to pause and say his righteousness are above the heavens and his judgments are too deep for me to know. Who has been the counsel of the Lord? Any of us here? Who has known the mind of God? Any of us here? I would say, I dare not. No one has known that. But upon review and by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, let me just relay this message to the body today. God will not be mocked. God's word is true and it is worth following in your life. Every word of God is pure. Now here, Pastor, what the world could not do, other Christians, quote unquote, can do. King Jeroboam was not a temptation for the young prophet. The young man of God had no interest in eating with this carnal king who made abhorrent sacrifices and godly rituals and who had, who had defied the very word of God. The young man of God had no temptation in the world. But what the carnal king could not do, a fellow brother did. And I ask you, what did the Lord say? The body was not eaten up. Did you hear me? The body was not eaten up. The lion could not devour the body of the young prophet. Can you see it now? The ministry, the boldness, the prophecies of the young man of God would always be intact. The fact that he disobeyed God did not negate his body of work. It was not devoured. That's why if you've been baptized in Jesus' name by a man or a woman who later backslid, you don't have to be re-baptized because you were not baptized in their name. And their body of work might be intact and good, but they may be judged at the end for their own actions. If someone ever taught you a Bible study and taught you the truth, the body of work is not going to be devoured by the devil. They may go to hell. They may sin, but the body of work will be intact. The devil cannot eat up the body of truth. 
I hope you're hearing what I'm saying because some of you have so much confidence in a person. You forgot what God said. You're thinking, oh, if they're going to backslide, I'll backslide. If they go out, I'll go. No. If they told you the truth and they leave the word of God, you got to go back and say, what did God say? Because whatever God said is going to keep you. The body of work cannot be devoured by the devil. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> he was punished for his disobedience. The lion is the devil, seeking about, seeking, roaming, who he may devour. The man of God is the people of God. All of you who have been born again of the water and spirit, the Lord, he is God. And the old prophet, here now, are the people who appear like you, sit with you, are relatable as Pentecostals, but who entice you, even by spiritual measures, to control the outcome of your commitment. <laughs> Paul wrote like a man aghast at what he saw. I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel. There is not another gospel, Paul said, but there be some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, if an angel comes from heaven and teaches you another gospel, then this death by repentance, burial in water, baptism in Jesus' name, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking other tongues, let that angel be accursed. And if you'll read carefully, Paul was sufficiently put out with men who behaved poorly but tried to identify themselves as part of the apostles and the brethren. He had enough of those false brethren and he called them out in 2 Corinthians 11. And I quote, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind somehow might be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted you put it with you put it up with it so easily when you ought to really kick it out and smash it down paul was dealing with some people who thought they could buy him so he rejected their offers and he said the brothers who came from macedonia supplied what i needed he said i'm cutting those false brethren off here it is because they want to be regarded in the same way that i am for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of christ watch pastor it's no wonder he said for satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also are transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works i stand here to ask all of you what did god say not what did man say not what your friend said not the person sitting behind you or around you not your extended family members who have lost faith and say i have the lord i have the holy ghost and the holy ghost didn't say that to me you know it doesn't matter i want to know what did god say did god say that outward holiness and righteous living was old-fashioned? Did God say that? Did God say that his, his word was just a cultural, culturally relative book, that relativism mattered? Did God say that? Who told you that part-time Christianity was okay? Who told you that? Who told you you don't need to go to church that often? Who told you that? Did God say that? Who told you that? God said, every time the doors are open, you ought to get there. Don't even forsake it. Don't leave it behind. You ought to get there. What did God say? 
I want to know what God said. I don't want to know what some theologian said. I don't know what some doctrine said. I don't know what a, I don't want to know what a committee said. I don't care what the focus group said. I don't care what the majority said. I want to know what did God say? Did God say that's how you ought to live? Here's what Hosea, he stood up and said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected me. You'll be no priest to me. What kind of knowledge? It wasn't astronomy. It wasn't geology. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't geometry. It wasn't mathematics. It wasn't science. It wasn't differential equations. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge about God. You've got to get back in the book and find out what did God say. Because if you don't know what God said, you're going to be listening to what other people say. I'll just stand here and pretend like I'm your pastor. (laughs) Who said that forgiveness was optional depending on the level of your pain? (laughs) Who told you that? I can forgive this, but I just can't forgive that. Who told you that? Who told you didn't have to, you didn't have to forgive? Who told you that? Dr. Phil? You taking instruction from Dr. Phil? He don't even have a license to be a doctor. We're still listening to Dr. Phil? Really? You're still perusing through the internet to find out what kind of doctrines you're going to believe in, really? Because someone with a PhD behind their name that you think is now credible is going to tell you how to orchestrate your marriage? Really? I want to know what did God tell you? What did God say? Somebody offered you a job and you're just going to say, I like it's more money, it's more money. Well, what did God say? I don't know if I can stay in the church. Well, what did God say? He might just want you to be in a place where you have to grind it out. Where you have to look across at people that you may not like and may not appreciate. Did God tell you to move? Did God tell you to stay? What did God say? I want to know this. I gotta, I gotta, someone's got to help me because I'm struggling a little bit. Did God say that you can just open up your mouth and say whatever you want to as long as you have good intentions? Did God say that your good intentions will get you into heaven? Oh, see, no, no, there's going to come a day when people will hate this kind of preaching because the Bible says they'll heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to pay for a sermon. They're going to pay for a message. They're going to be people who get into a church and going to say, we're going to decide what you preach when you say it, when you don't say it. I told you a few weeks ago, Bill Treadway said, Pastor, you've got to go to this meeting and we've got to stand up and talk about what's about to happen when, when, the, when the strip club comes into town. And we're going to rise up against it. I didn't know it at the time, but I got in there and realized what was going on. Later, I'm at, the, I'm at the line at MCL and a lady pulled me aside. She said, are you the preacher who stood up in the room and decried that business coming to our town? I said, I am. She said, thank you. Our preacher wouldn't do it because he's led by a committee and if the committee tells him he can stand up then he can stand up but if the committee says he can't stand up then he can't say anything I want to tell you right now did God say it because if we're led by a committee if we're led by popular opinion we are dead in the water every day of the week 
I want to ask you something. Did God tell you that you can live an unholy life? Did God say that? Did God say that you can put on, take off anything you ever wanted to, anytime you felt like it, as long as it made you feel good inside? Did God say that? Oh, I'm, 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 my, my finger is on that button. I'm just pretending. <laughs> Did God say that tithing and offerings were, were optional and if you could afford it? Did God say that? Did God say that? Did God say that? Now that you've been born again, you don't need any authority in your life. I don't want to hear about an article on the internet. I want to know what thus saith the Lord. What did God say? Did you ask God what he thought? You've been asking everybody around you what they think. Did you ever stop and ask God what he thought? Instead of calling and texting and putting it out on Instagram, did you ever think maybe I should go to the prayer room on Tuesday night and Thursday morning and ask what God thought? Because every word of God is pure and he becomes a shield to them. I returned to the example of many, many, many years ago when one of the members came to me and they said, Pastor, what do you think about this? And I said, well, really, this is what the Bible says. And they said, no, 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 what do you think about this? And I said, well, here's a scripture. I was so naive. Apparently, they've been doing this for some time, you know, the trap. <laughs> they want the personal commentary. And I said, well, here's a scripture. And no, no, what do you think? Finally, they exposed themselves and said, I don't, I don't want to know what the Bible says. I want to know what you say. No, you don't want to know what I say because I can lead you down the wrong path. I'm just a commentator. You need to know what the Bible says, not what someone else says. And I told them, I don't have an opinion different than the scripture. I don't have an opinion if it's in the word. How are we doing today? Go ask Joshua how he did when he dismissed the word of God. I know Joshua had a lot to worry about, the children of Israel. They didn't take all the land of promise like they ought to. Joshua was dealing with baked in fear. They, generational bondage gave them baked in fear. The parents passed it down a little bit. And they were a little lethargic. They had a trouble trusting God. If you don't know this, let me be the first to tell you. Fear is its own self-fulfilling prophecy. Your imagined fears will take you to the place that you thought of. Fear of rejection will lead you to being rejected. Fear of being overcome, you'll be overcome. Fear of loss, it's going to bring you right to loss. Fear is the devil's playground. But the adoption through the Spirit is what we're after because God did not give you the spirit of fear. That came from some other source. Watch Joshua now. I think he might be a little road weary having finally crossed over after 40 years of wandering with these faithless people. There were a lot of funerals before they got to the promised land. It could be that some people just have to die before we have revival. 
Oh, don't say that, Pastor. Oh, yes, I will say that because we're going to have revival. But unless the faithless get on board, some people might just have to die, literally die, and we put them in the grave. Thank God we're going to move on. That's right, I'm telling you. We wouldn't have what we have right now if one of the people was still living today. Oh, yeah. Oh. Is that messing with you now? You know why it's messing with you? Because you, you've been inundated with westernized culture and you don't know the things of God. I'm going to tell you, his kingdom rises above everybody and everything. Look, go look in the scripture. And don't, don't tell me that that's just the Old Testament. Ananias and Sapphira were dead in the church by the voice of Peter when he said, you didn't just lie to me, you lied to the Holy Ghost and they died in the church. How about that for a revival? That's Acts chapter 5. I know what people say. Man, if we could just have some miracles, this church would explode. Well, the Bible says people died and the church exploded. Now, get into the book and find out what it says and you'll figure out we're serving a holy God and a righteous God and a blessed Savior and he's calling for the church to come out and be separate and be holy. He's wanting something from you. Stop wrapping your little Americanized mind around the scripture. He's a God that transcends all creeds and colors and cultures and dispensations and languages and ideas and habits and traditions. He's the great God of heaven and earth and his ways are past finding out. And Israel, with all of her faults, she, she is still a formidable foe. And God is on their side. The people that are witnessing this in Canaan can see it. It disturbed the people even in Jericho. They heard about it. Another people heard about it. The Gibeonites heard about Jericho and about Ai. And they devised a plan because the Gibeonites knew this was a powerful group. The Gibeonites, they wanted to preserve themselves. They heard of Joshua, and they heard of Jericho, and they heard of a little city named Ai. They destroyed all of that, and they're on their way, this massive millions and millions of people marching forward. And the men of Gibeah got around and said, hey, let's tell a lie. So they took old sacks and old wine bottles, and they, they tore up their clothes, and they doused themselves with dust. They got the most worn out shoes and they put them on. They filled their sacks with stale bread. Joshua 9.5 says that all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they pretended to be travelers from a different region. They lied. They said they were weak and needed help. And they wanted a little pity from the people of God. So please make a treaty with us. Make us a deal. You won't kill us and overthrow us. We're just weary travelers. And here's the critical verse, Joshua 9.15. It might be the turning point of your life also. Here it is. Joshua 9.14. The men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. They ate the stale bread. Yep, this is stale. They smell the mold. Yes, this is moldy. They scrape the dust with their finger off the top of those horses and looked at it. And here's the word. 
but did not inquire of the Lord. So we're making decisions based upon what we see, what we feel, and what we taste. But we're not asking God. We're saying, "Mm, this looks right to me. This is okay to me. I feel good about this. Did you ask the Lord? No, I didn't have to ask God about that. Because listen, that mold, the bread is mold. Everyone can see the green mold. Everyone can see. Can you get, look at this. Look at the the leather. Look how torn up it is. And Joshua did not inquire of the Lord. And he made a a, a treaty with the Gibeonites. It was the wrong thing to do. And now he's going to be strapped with these men for the rest of his life. They are a weight around his ankle. Because he doesn't want to go back on his word. And now he's dragging them along dragging them along and I see the people of God doing the same thing you've got so much weight on you because you didn't ask God you just took that thing on yourself and said well this is good for me I think it's going to help my finances I think it's going to help my time so you've got a second job or a bad job or you made a relationship and it's all dragging you down well I'd like to go to church but I bought a boat I'd like to go to church but you know we've got some family things we got to do because you know we brought on some new people we're trying to make friends pastor you know I've got this other job now and we're just trying to make a little money to make ends meet you know I got a new car I got a new house I got to do this you just strapped on all that weight and you never asked God what do you think Lord and then the preachers oh now I'm preaching I'm with you better come on out you better come on out you better stop tasting the bread and drinking the wine it's it's bitter and the bread is moldy but God is not in it don't trust your senses don't trust what you what you see what you hear and what you taste you ought to trust the word of God and if he said don't go there here's the word of the Lord for you you ought to have a little sacrifice inside of you and every time you get to this house you go home changed you say I'm not going to be the same person and don't go by any other way don't stop at any house (laughs) I'm worried about the world infecting your life I'm concerned about it because I know some of you just any offer you'll take it But more than that, I'm worried about the so-called Pentecostals that would mislead you. (laughs) And he would use things that are familiar to your ears. Well, I had an angel tell me. Well, listen, I had a dream and a vision told me, you don't have to do all that stuff. Why would you do all that? You don't have to do, you don't have to live like that. Well, look around all these people. They have good hearts. You think God's going to send them to hell? And so now we're justifying salvation numerically. How can the Lord send everybody to hell? You don't know what God's going to do, what, what he's not going to do. I don't put anyone in heaven, but you can't put anyone in hell. I can't put anyone in hell, but you can't put anyone in heaven. Oh. <clears throat> Tammy tells me not to say this, but I'm, 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 I have a fever right now. I'm a little sick. She said, don't tell the people if you're sick because then they'll worry about it. So I'm just a little sick, you know. I don't like to spread germs on you or anything. <coughs> I, might. I might. So if you don't like it, just say, you know, the, guy, the man was sick. Come back next week. He'll be well. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like what's happening is we've got church down pat, but we don't have the word down pat. We know how to clap and sing and dance, but we don't know what God has had to say. And so we're not attuned to what the Lord has to say. If you don't know what God has to say, anybody can lead you astray and carry you about with every wind of doctrine. I'm going to tell you, it matters how you're baptized. 
It matters. I didn't say it. God said it. He said it in the book of Luke chapter, the last chapter, book of Luke chapter 24. He said, go to Jerusalem, baptizing in my name. He said to Matthew, Matthew wrote it down, going to all the world and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And Paul said there's only one name, one Lord, one baptism. There's only one name. What name is it? It's the name of Jesus. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It matters. It doesn't matter what the it doesn't matter what the other church is doing. It doesn't matter what your friends are saying. It matters what the Bible says. And the Bible says that everyone who was ever baptized were baptized in the name of the Lord, and no one was baptized any other way. What did God say? What did God tell you? God tell you you had to be faithful to the house of God? Yes, he did. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. That's preaching, testifying. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Who knows the day is approaching? Because the Bible said in the last days there's going to be earthquakes. There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. Knowledge is going to increase. Do you not know that you're living in the last dispensation, the last moment of time? You're at the 11th hour. At the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the stroke of midnight is just one or two strokes away. And the, and the millennial way is going to happen. God is going to come. As you see the day approaching. What is in the day? When good is called evil and evil is called good. When we give awards to people who pretend to be a different gender and we argue that there is no gender and, we, and, and now we're inundated with gender fluidity as if you can move in and out you know what that is? that is a deviation from the first inception of time when God made them man and woman male and female this is still attacking God's creation at the beginning of time you're living in the last day so who told you you didn't have to come to church when you see the day approaching you get there you say it doesn't matter we gotta get to church if we're sick or if we're well, if we're feeling good, if we're feeling bad, if we don't have a friend or if everybody loves us, we got to get there. Oh, somebody clap their hands. I hope there's a witness in this house now. Wherever you're sitting, you ought to be clapping your hands and saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I got to find out what you're going to say. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. What did God say? I'm almost done. I know this has happened to you many times. When the kids want to do something and they go to mama and they say, can I do this? And mom said, you know, after weary, they go to dad and say, well, what does your dad say? Said no. They try to play both sides, you know. And they're very smart. My kids are very smart. Dad's in a good mood. <laughs> Let's ask dad. If we can get a yes out of dad. Even if they got a no out of mom. What, what do you think dad? Can we go? We want to go to the party. We want to go to the barbecue. Oh dad. Is it okay? It's only $7.99 on Amazon. 
I cursed the day that Amazon was made. It's such a painless transaction until sometime later. Well, what do you think? Well, I, I think this is a bad thing. Well, okay, I don't like what you said. Okay, what do you think? Oh, I think it's okay. And then you find someone who's struggling in their walk with God. And because they've lost their moral authority, they're going to give you permission to do what they know is wrong, but they can't stand up against it because they've lost their moral authority in their own life. So you go to that man and you ask him, do you think this is right or not? But because that man is hooked on pornography, he's not going to tell you what's right or wrong because he's guilty. You don't know what's wrong with him, but he'll make a case, well, you know, I think this might be okay. Pastor overdoes it a little bit, you know. He was sick. He had a fever. What did the Lord say? What did the Lord say? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, what did you say? Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. With all you're getting, get understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Clean your heart, your mind, your soul. Purge me with the hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me, I'll be white as the snow. Because the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Render to Caesar the things that are sinners, but render to God the things that are God's. What did God say to you? What did God say? Please stand with me if you will. As you pray with me, Father, there are people in here that have been sampling the provisions of the world. And they're making decisions for their lives and their family, their marriages and their homes based upon what they've sampled. They're convinced. And they're making treaties with the things of this world. They're making concessions with worldliness. <clears throat> Some are in this house, Lord. They're believing the lies of people they thought were brothers. And they're about to follow a bad path. They're going to forsake sacrifice. They're going to abstain from trust. And I pray right now for all of us. Cleanse my heart and keep me. Help me. I want to know what you have to say, Lord. I want your word to be alive in me. I pray for this group. Help us to put down everything but your word let the word sometime let one scripture one chapter be read in our homes in our lives in Jesus name I pray <clears throat> word of God speak won't you pour down like a rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place please 
let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Won't you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Even Jesus Christ himself, when he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness, he began his rebuttal. Thus it is written. And then he quoted the scripture. If the Lord in his human form had to use the scripture to reject the temptation of the devil... How much more do we need the word? I want you to make it, but you're not going to make it unless you hear from God. You've got to hear what God has to say. You've got to read what God has written. He is the author of the word. That temptation will overtake you because every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Don't think that that temptation is just a nothing. It's there to devour you. You need to know the word of God. You've got to know what God said. I'm not believing everything I read from books or magazines but I'm believing everything I read from the scripture. I want the scripture to teach me and to guide me because every word of God is pure and I'm not going to add to it. It's sufficient enough by itself. And these altars are open for everyone who just want to stretch forth their faith right now to the Lord and you're coming and you're saying, I want to know what God has to say. I need to know what God has to say. That's right. Talk to me, Lord. Someone say it now. Talk to me with your hands lifted up now. With your hearts opened up now. What does God say? What does God say?